Here at Ten Strike Church, we don't pass around the, the plate, as many of us know, that we have uh, offering boxes in the back. Um, but we like to say a prayer and stuff like that over our offerings before we take them. But, but first, we have uh, a building fund report, some good things. Uh, uh, we're looking to make a, a highway sign right. Um, we're proclaiming Jesus to the highway. We're looking to, to fund that. So our total goal was uh, 35000 We're we have 30, uh, thir- almost 31, or 30 and a half thousand so far. So we only have 4,500 left to go. How about that? And we have a, a scripture to go with that, Proverbs 3, uh, 9 through 10. Um, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors, and with the first fruits of all your income, so shall your storage places be filled with plenty, and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. Amen to that. So, Father, we just thank you for the plenty that is already within us. Even if we don't see it in our capital, in our first fruits that we might be giving this Sunday, in the things that we own and what we look around, um, we ask that you would show us not the poverty that we might see sometimes when we look about us, we look at our lives, we look at our communities, but we would see the plenty within us and within you so that as we go out in the streets this week, as we are preaching your name, as we are being, being the gospel in the places of our work, in, the, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our families, as we're being the gospel, as we're preaching the gospel with our words and deeds, um, we would recognize the true blessing that you are within us, that we are giving plenty when we speak you in your name. Amen. So we also have some announcements. Uh, there will be, not be... Uh, any fellowship, coffee time, or meal uh, after our worship today. It says there's no fellowship on this thing, but there will be fellowship. So I'm just, I'm just reading what I'm being told to read. So <laughs> forgive me. We, we will fellowship with one another. Please do. We're not uh, telling you to get out of here. So <laughs> all right. Uh, on Wednesday, July 11th, we have the quilting group. Um, at noon, there's a lunch and fellowship available at 1, uh, the Bible study with Grandma Joyce and Grandma Glennis. Um, but we also have uh, upcoming events, some things to note here. Um, uh, very worthy of note, uh, we have Revive Minnesota and Headwaters, July 12th to the 18th. Um, and that will be at, uh, at, my, at Mount Zion Church. Uh, please come, there will be tent revival, all sorts of good stuff. You've probably heard about it. Um, you can look it up online, probably. I don't know a whole lot about it. There's other people who know better. Ask Bob. <laughs> um, other things. I think that's pretty much all we have to note here. All right. Bob, why don't you come? Bob's going to share. Yeah, why doesn't Bob share some stuff? You know more than I do. Give me a mic. That's dangerous. Um, <clears throat> we started this journey on June. Those that don't know. Um, we had a prayer walk for seven days. Adam led that with uh, his wife and team. It was phenomenal, excellent. There's been 21 days of prayer and fasting by many of us, even in this congregation and throughout this entire region. 28 days of saturated prayer for the North Country. I am so excited about that. And what we've been finding, we've been going to different churches every night since we started here, Steve, on the 29th. But the Lord just prompted me to say that what you've been preaching, every believer, a minister, as I was thinking about it, it got released. It got started into those different churches. So every church that we went to, 
we were activating people, every believer a minister. And I just really believe that God is going to have a mighty move. We can either get on the train or stay off the train. Or we can get on the tracks, which we don't want to be on. But I'm just challenging each and every one of you, if you have any time at all, any possibility of time, uh, you have opportunity. If you've been believing for revival, this is the season. This is the time. Let's, let's go for it. And so tonight, there's only uh, two actual churches that we'll be in, and actually one of them is a prayer house in Cass Lake. But tonight at uh, 6.30, there'll be prayer, house of prayer. That's over on the campus, a BSU campus. And uh, it's been so rich. Every single night has been so different, but the same thread. And it's the new wineskins. The wells are being dug anew and afresh. And there's been, there have been smaller groups up to 50 to 17 to anywhere in that age that, that if you're not comfortable with big groups, you have two more opportunities for that. So on Tuesday, on Monday, if anybody's available at 9 o'clock at Mount Zion, just show up. They'll tell you what to do, but they're putting up the big tent. So anybody that has extra hands that can help with that, that would be absolutely phenomenal. And uh, so then on Tuesday night, we start off in the tent. So we go into the tent. We start two nights prior to the 12th. So that would be the 10th. We'll have Kaelfa um, <clears throat> and also InterVarsity combining together with the worship team. And uh, they'll have their prayer and worship there. And then the next night will be the Kings, which a lot of people here know about the Kings, too, that are coming. So... It's going to be a lot of excitement. We have a couple brochures left on the back there. If you need more information, you can, you can talk to me about it. So it's exciting. It's absolutely exciting. So be a part. Let's be a part if we can. Amen. You can give that back to Peter there. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. I also want to mention that uh, Lowell O'Brien, who has been part of our church family for a long time, in fact, all the way back to the Presbyterian Church, I think I remember seeing you, Lowell, over 50 years ago, but he is 96 years of age as of yesterday. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> we know you love the Lord so much, and you are a, a great example for us in that. And, and Lowell is such a receiver. Lowell is up here for for something physical for a healing here just a few weeks ago and I know he just received that healing anew and afresh so we can still do that at 96 years old right I was having coffee time with Lowell um, before the service started and he was sharing he has his favorite little mini book that he keeps purchasing from our bookstore. It's by Charles Caps. It's on the power of your words. And he keeps wearing them out, so he needs to get a new copy. So he's telling me about the power of your words concerning, well, it can be storms, it can be your health. I love it. He's, he's a man we love, but he's a man who loves the word of God. Amen. That's so thank right. you, Lord. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you remember this, Lowell, you might, you might, but I remember in 1991 when I was so sick with that burst appendix, 
Lowell was a person that came over and to my house, and uh, I think he shared some from a book of, uh, I forget the evangelist now, but uh, he said, you're gonna, you're gonna make it, you're gonna be fine. You know, and those were those words of hope. You know, we were singing about hope this morning. And I still remember that from 27 years ago or whatever it was. So thank you, Lowell. It's also Dan Sadik's birthday today. I won't, I won't, we won't tell you how old Dan is. He can tell you. Maybe anybody else's birthday today? Um, but also we're remembering Jeffrey, uh, Kenton Chantel's son had a procedure done this week to help to, with pain in his lower body, and that's where Chantel is this morning with, with him. So we are going to do the remainder of the prayer proclamations we started last week of Derek Prince. And if you'd all stand up with me, um, we're going to read through these. I think I'll... I'll just, and what we'll do is we, we won't read the scripture reference that's in the parentheses. We'll just um, not read that part. So this is like a prayer proclamation that we have today. Let's do it together. We agree with your word, Lord, that you are instructing our children and great will be their peace in this land. Let the unborn be protected. We affirm their personhood, and we honor them as unborn citizens. Rescue them from the atrocity and violent death by abortion. Convict of this transgression. We are thankful that you forgive and heal those who repent of committing abortion. Lord, we implore you to make our schools a place where our children can learn in physical, emotional, and spiritual safety. Give them godly teachers who encourage them and are dedicated to them. May they have support systems at home and at school that would enable them to achieve great things in your name. Strengthen and encourage those in the media who are willing to stand for your truth and practice honest, fair, and accurate reporting. Convert or remove those who would use the media to put forth their own selfish agendas and proclaim their lies and distortions. Give discernments to who know and love you to be able to sift through the untruths and rely on your steadfast word. We praise and thank you that you give us the arts as a way to worship and glorify your name. May godly men and women now come forth in the arts and entertainment fields who will seek to share your gospel message through their creative endeavors. Lord, we join reconciliation to the races of this nation. Remove long-held prejudices hatreds and hurts and replace them with your healing love and fellowship. Bring peace, friendship, and equal opportunity to all peoples and cultures. Thank you, Lord, that you do not forget prisoners 
and those who are homeless and needy. Stir up your heart of compassion in each of us and send your spirit to guide us as we reach out to those less fortunate. Restore our abandoned inner cities to communities of safety, prosperity, and hope. Save and encourage those caught in cycles of poverty, sickness, addiction, brokenness, and despair. Lord, grant the people of America Sabbath rest. Thank you that there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Help all to be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall into disobedience. Lord, let us exhausted laborers in our land come to you and find salvation and find rest for their souls. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Comfort those in jail and prison, Lord. Okay, pause. I need to catch my breath. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, you're hearing this prayer. But you know, this is like almost a week of celebration of our, our, nation's, our nation and its independence and freedoms. Uh, you may have seen this picture here. It's, a, it's one that was from Brett Binky, actually. And it's, one, it's an original, you know, of the praying hands for the nation. And what we're doing here, we're in prayer together for our nation. And these were things that were written by Derry Prince, actually. But there's a few more to go here now, so as we pray to the Lord. <clears throat> Lord, bring the word of God to bear on the hearts and minds of those who make public policy in America. Continue to grant opportunity for a biblical worldview and principles into the public discourse. Shield and deliver our nation from occultism, New Age cults, false religions, and secret societies. In mercy, reveal yourself to those who do not even seek after you, those who have turned away, those who are ignorant of their own need for your saving grace in their lives. Reverse the trends of humanism and socialism in our nation. Help us to be a nation that desires purity and avoids debauchery, pornography, perversion, drunkenness, drug use, and gambling. Grace and enable us, Lord, to prevail until the fullness of Jesus Christ is birthed in this next generation of Americans. Send forth more consecrated individuals to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the USA and to every nation. May we bring in the harvest, Lord. Lord, help us to live our lives so that we are all prepared to give an account to you, our almighty God. Now to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Praise God. I will put that up on our Facebook page, too, that prayer. That's one that would be...
but just a good prayer for this nation and for our country and hallelujah. Our message today, it's the final in our series on humble servant encouragers. And a summary of it might be, as God's servants, we look to him to help us to faithfully do and say what he tells us to do and say. He empowers us to be ministering servants, bringing encouragement to our surroundings, to those people around us. Now, just a reminder, this, this is our jubilee year here in Ten Strike. That's 50 years. Um, started in 1968, Ten Strike Community Church. But Jesus is our jubilee. He's the one that has made us free, as Kent was sharing about last Sunday. Freedom from fear is one of the great things that we're freed from. Um, and now we're going to read from Luke 4, 18 and 19 about Jesus, our jubilee. And this is kind of like Jesus' mission statement. And Peter is going to help out this morning. He's going to read that for us. All right. Luke 4, 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So that's what Jesus came to do and for. And as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we are no longer to live as though we're in bondages, these bondages, whatever they might be. Um, we are free, as Kent mentioned. We're we have freedom from the bondage to fear, which is so often so pervasive in people's lives. And we're no longer to live like bound up slaves to sin. Yes, Jesus is our jubilee. He's made us free. We who are now in Christ are no longer to live our lives as slaves to poverty, no longer to live as slaves to sickness. We have been freed by Christ Jesus through his great redemptive work. Some of these statements I, I, I've noticed when I've been in the audience, how allowing them to be in the eye gate as well as the ear gate, to see these things as well as hear them, it really helps me at least to grasp. So I've got a lot of this stuff up there for us to see, which also these things that are up there will be post on Facebook tomorrow. There's a lot of material here, but you'll be able to meditate on it more. But we now take this opportunity of our church's jubilee year to reconfirm and appropriate these truths to be ours as individuals, as families, and as a church family. And we labor to enter the trusting rest that God provides for us we take this opportunity of jubilee focus to stop the incorrect laboring to make ourselves acceptable to God by our own works. That's not the way it is. That's incorrect. We aren't made acceptable to God by our works. By believing and acting as though God's word to us is true, 
we have the opportunity to receive all the benefits of his saving work. So we continue to remember the vision and direction that God's given to us as a church family. Our goals, our vision, focus. And Bob mentioned one of them, our slogan, every believer a minister of God's love. We have the symbol of the lighthouse, light to the nations. And then we have a mission statement, connecting people to God, connecting people to people, and connecting people to what? Service. And that's what we're talking about today, connecting people to service. Jesus has called us to be servants. He's called us to serve one another. And uh, we're going to read... Peter's going to read for us from one of our main texts for this series, from Mark 10. Calling them, the disciples, to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So when a person chooses to serve and bless someone, one of the most powerful ways that they can do it is with the words. Your words. And bless people and you can serve people through words you can serve them hope you can serve them encouragement you can serve them life words spoken from a humble servant attitude result in peace edification and fruitful progress and words of these kinds they have God as their source they have their source in God's love, which is other person focused, not self focused. And on the other hand, when a person is selfish and flesh ruled, they will seek to promote and push their own self centered agenda through whatever means possible, and in the process, they will often use hurtful words. The outcome here is a lot different than encouragement and hope and life. And this attitude will eventually lead to the corrupt fruit of envy, strife, and confusion, as the King James Version puts it in James 3.16, every evil work. Let's read that. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work, is what it says exactly. Um, Peter's going to read to us now a scripture that flows right into this, James chapter 3. And if you are wise, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about them, then you will be truly wise. And by all means, don't brag about being wise and good if you are bitter and jealous and selfish. That is the worst sort of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and inspired by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every other kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and full of quiet gentleness. 
Then it is peace-loving and courteous. It allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It is wholehearted and straightforward and sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. Much of this planting for harvest is done through words that are spoken. Did you know that you can plant with your tongue? We plant words in people's lives, in groups' lives, in our spouse's life, in our family's life, in our church's life, in our workplace's life, wherever we are is life. The truth is that we are continually planting with our tongue and then reaping harvests. Now let's look at that word selfish that was in verse 14. The New King James Version here in verse 14 renders the Greek word for selfish as self-seeking. And the same Greek word is rendered as selfish ambition in Philippians 1.16. In my spirit-filled life Bible, it says this, and I won't try to pronounce the Greek word there, but it describes a person who's concerned only with his own welfare, a person susceptible to being bribed, an ambitious, self-willed person seeking opportunities for promotion of themselves and their opinions, their way, a partisan, factious spirit that will resort to any method to form a contingency or a party on their side. It forms sides, or their side of an issue. And of course, this does not describe a humble servant encourager, does it? Not at all. Not at all. Um, the words coming from a person who is motivated in this way by the flesh, by self, James describes as demonic and devilish. And when we yield to the flesh and continue down that road, at some point, we can give, and probably you could say we will give demonic influences a grasp or a handle to grasp in our lives. Those flesh handles need to be wiped out and yielded to the spirit, which is love, of course, which comes forth. And these demonic influences can then use our actions and our words to bring strife, confusion, and evil. We're talking about, again, I want to say this, you know, bring it home. I mean, it's, it's in our marriages, in our families, in the church, in the workplace, on teams, wherever we relate to people, these things can happen. Now, let's, uh, let's read this James passage, Peter, from the uh, easy-to-read version of the Bible. Are there any among you who are really wise and understanding? Then you should show your wisdom by living right. You should do what is good with humility. A wise person does not boast. If you are selfish and have bitter jealousy in your hearts, you have no reason to boast. Your boasting is a lie that hides the truth. That kind of wisdom does not come from God. That wisdom comes from the world. It is not spiritual. It is from the devil. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there will be confusion in every kind of evil. 
But the wisdom that comes from God is like this. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good for others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. People who work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessings that come from righteous living. So, we look to our Lord Jesus, who was the great example, our great example of being a servant encourager. And we draw from him. He lives inside of us. He lives inside of you. He's inside of you. He's inside of me right now by his spirit. And we trust him. We yield to him, our lives to him. We allow him to continually fill us with his love, which enables us to be servants. And this will show through us the glory of God, Christ in us, the hope of that glory coming forth. And when we grow in learning to yield to God's desires, we will also learn to yield to one another's desires. Bring that home again to wherever you relate to people. And this is a real key to being a humble servant encourager. Yielding to others. And not being quick. So often we can be so quick to bring condemnation or judgment upon others. We have a servant story here Peter's going to read. This is from uh, a David Henderson from Lafayette, Indiana. I was turning onto a highway on-ramp not far from my home when a car coming from the other direction pulled right out in front of me. I hit my brakes, waited impatiently for the offender to go past, and then went on, bugged by the insolence of this pushy driver. And the next time I was in this intersection, the same thing happened. This time, I was even more put out. But then I noticed something. The yield sign faced me, not the other guy. Turns out, I was the offending party. Traffic law for the highway of servanthood. When we pull into an intersection with the Lord of the universe, the yield sign always faces us. Also, when we pull into an intersection with the other, another person, we shouldn't be too quick to be offended and bring judgment on the other person. Has anybody done anything like that in traffic? <laughs> Beside me? <laughs> uh, yeah. It can happen in traffic. It can happen in the home. Hello? It happens, doesn't it? I mean, it's a lot easier to see someone else's fault than our own sometimes. It just can be. Um, I thank God. He helps us. There's a scripture that goes, flows right into this, and uh, Peter will have you read that from Matthew 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you used it will be used and measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's. You see the picture that Jesus brought forth? I mean, like this plank... A plank is a big board. I mean, you know, and that so often can be the case that when 
I bring judgment or on somebody else or condemning them for something, my very attitude is so much worse in God's eyes than what they're doing. My attitude toward them. You know, that with your kids or grandkids, when they get into something with each other, your desire is that they not be in contention with one another. And But one will say, well, he did this or they did that. And in your mind, you're thinking, that doesn't matter to me. It's your attitude about this whole thing that's really bringing strife and confusion. And it can be evil work of the enemy. Now let's listen to this same scripture from the Message Bible. Peter, we'll have you read it. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment in return. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. So, I thank you that she'll sink in your word. And we focused on how our words can have great impact on our surroundings, and so we need to yield our tongue to our Lord Jesus. We can also yield to Jesus for discerning, this is so important, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We want to be faithful to him, but we cannot possibly serve all the needs that present themselves to us, right? Is that right? Um, Jesus said that he did only what his father told him to do, and we must learn to do the same thing. Jesus said that his yoke was easy and his burden was light. Peter's going to read from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So trying to please God by doing things for him can really be exhausting. Um, that's what, rig, re, what religion is without relationship. That's what it's all about, a wrong kind of religion. Um, the key's not how much we do, but rather it's doing what the Lord tells us to do. And that is not burdensome. Let's read that from the Message Bible. So good. Are you tired? Are you worn out or burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus, and get away with me and recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So hallelujah, this thing of being a humble servant encourager is not burdensome. It is not when we're walking in his way, his plan, and doing what he would have us do, saying what he would have us to say. Jesus won't let that happen. 
But uh, let's be faithful to what our Lord calls us to do. That's what we need to do. It may be different for me than it is for Kent or, or for Rich or for Dave or, you know, somebody else. It's, it's different. But I need to learn to discern what he is showing me, and he guides me by his spirit. Um, that that faithfulness to do that, I just we received a letter from Joyce Meyer here last week. Uh, her, her husband Dave had an insert in it, and I have it up there. This is his quote. He said, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is consistency. It doesn't demand appreciation or elevation, but it operates at all times and under any conditions, good or bad. When someone's faithful, they will always, they are always rewarded. However, the reward is not their goal. Their goal is to serve. Their motivation is to trust God and love others. Um, a heart of love desires to serve. We desire to serve our Lord Jesus because we love, or our spouse, or our family, our church brothers and sisters, those in the workplace. It's motivated by love, and God is in us. Um, when we're serving, we're loving. Um, there's a, a movie that came out in the 80s. It was The Princess Bride. Anybody here ever see The Princess Bride? You know what I'm talking about? Lift, I want to see. It is true, like Ken said last week, the lights, I, you can't see real easily, but I know it's uh, what we have. And, but this is something that kind of striking. The, in The Princess Bride, the fair maiden Buttercup has a servant named Wesley. He's the farm boy. Uh, whenever she asks him to do something for her, his reply is always the same as you wish. But one day she discovers that when Wesley says, as you wish, what he really means is, I love you. And you know, if our heart is that way, where it's yielded, our desires are yielded, we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, that's, that's what we're saying, I love you, when we serve him and serve him by, by serving others. So the way that acts of service can be easy, joyful, and light instead of difficult and tiring is when they're motivated by love. When they're motivated by love. And I believe that we'll, we'll end this series now with this statement. Again, I'm going to read it once more of Dave Meyer. It's, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is consistency. It doesn't demand appreciation or elevation, but it operates at all times and under any conditions, good or bad. When someone is faithful, and we could say faithful to be serving, they're always rewarded. However, the reward is not their goal. Their goal is to serve. Their motivation is to trust God and to love others. So Lord, as we, we come to the conclusion of this series, we 
we're so thankful that you dwell within us. Your love dwells within us. We cannot do it on our own. Lord, forgive us where the flesh self-focus has brought us into places of strife and confusion and every evil work that can happen in relationships and such. But Lord, you're our redeemer. You're our jubilee. You are the one that buys back. You have bought back and you give us another opportunity, another chance. And we know we never can get into the right relationship with you through our works. But Lord, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we do. And once we have, our desire is to do works of service and speak words of serving others, words of life. Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we, your mission statement as we saw that you came to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty the captives, even as our banners here in the front proclaim to us very prophetically in this hour, Lord. That's what we want to do. We want to yield to you and we want to flow in your unforced rhythms of grace in our life and that others around us would sense that and receive that very same thing, including our husband or wife, our kids, grandchildren, our loved ones, friends, church, brothers and sisters, a larger body of Christ. Lord, we submit it all to you and we receive of you now. In Jesus' name, and everyone in agreement said, Amen. We do have fellowship after the service today. Uh, even though there, there's, I suppose, I'm sure there's some coffee there too, but just not goodies today. But let's fellowship. If you have a prayer need, find somebody. We do believe every believer is a minister here. And pray with one another if you have a need. You can also come to the front here. We'll have some folks that will be available here if you'd like to do that. But uh, God is our deliverer, our healer, our redeemer. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, do that today. Be filled with his spirit. Uh, and God bless you all and keep you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's fellowship. Hallelujah.